Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How many of you believe today that our God is a miracle-working God? When we gather in the house of the Lord, this type of song reminds us that God, the, uh, of the God that we serve. That our God is a miracle-working God. That our God is alive, and our God is active, and our God is present. That our God is not just a passive God. He's not asleep. He's not tired. He's not on vacation. He's here, and He's present right now. And I want to stir your faith today. I believe God is about to do something at Love City Church, but not just that. I want you to know today, I'm going to preach a message to you today that I believe God wants to do something in your life in this season. And I believe, as I've been praying for you this week, as we had a a leader's retreat this week, and I've been praying all week for this Sunday because it's our second to last Sunday in Cardell Theater. On September 4th, we have a vague idea of what we're going to do next, still waiting upon the promises of God to be fulfilled in our church. But I'm here today, and I believe God is up to something. Literally, I came down to worship, and when I went from there to there, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Ryan, pause for a minute and remind the church that as we are journeying as a church together, this isn't just about the whole. This is also about you as an individual knowing that God wants to take you into a new season as the church goes into a new season. This season we're in isn't just about me or about my wife or about us collectively as a whole, though it is. God has something new. Hear, my, hear me today. The word of the Lord to you today is forget about the former days. I am about to do a new thing. Paul said, one thing that I do, one thing, say one thing. I forget about the past. And I feel a prophetic uh, stirring in my heart today. Some of you are hanging on to the past. Some of you are so tightly clinging to the past that it will be your definition for your tomorrow. And I have a prophetic word for you today. Today is a day to forget about your past. He wants to do a new thing. He wants to start a new day. He wants to bring new attitudes and new faith and new ministry and new opportunities and a new uh, uh, freshness in your relationships with your your spouse and in your life. God wants to do something new. And I believe some of you are here today and you are holding on tight to the past. And I know it's hard. I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like to have the weight of, of unforgiveness and bitterness and pain things of the past and hurts of the past and mistakes of my past and sins of my past. I know what that's like. I am the worst of sinners in this room and I understand what it feels like to be stuck in sin's prison. But do you want to know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to keep the mighty man and woman of God in you back because of your past. That's what the devil does. He keeps you stuck in the past. 
Today, I speak prophetically into every individual in this room. Those watching online today, it is a new day. The, the former is gone. Forget about the former. I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. And when God does a miracle in our church with a facility, let it be a message to you in your life that God is doing something new in your life. He's bringing a miracle in your life. He's doing something new in your heart. God is not a dead God. He's not a quiet God. He's not a passive God. He's an alive and active God. And he's stirring something in your life today. I want you to hear me today. I believe the Lord is breaking chains even right now as I prophesy this in your life. He's breaking chains right now in the past. Some of you are stuck. I just sense it so strong. You are stuck. And I'm here to tell you, I'm going to say it because I love you. It is time to move past the past. I just believe in my spirit right now. It's like a breaking moment. You know, last week, Krista, thank you for being obedient to the word. Last week, Krista gave a word about, you know, about the, you know, destroying the, the serpent's head. And what a powerful word last week. This week, I just see it so clearly. Some of you, and I'm not talking about people in the room who are necessarily in deep areas of sin. Maybe that's you today. But I'm talking about people. There's people in the room that are called by God to serve His to serve God's purposes. And you ain't moving forward because you are stuck in the past. And there is a new day for you. There's a new promised land. And yeah, does the promised land have a Jericho? Yeah? yeah. Does it have a Hittite and a Perizzite and a Pupidite and all the light and all the Slippidites? Of course it does. Yes, it's got problems, and yes, it's got pain, and yes, it's got bitterness, and yes, it's got unforgiveness, and yes, it's got hurt, and yes, it's got uh, uh, unmet expectations. That's called life. But we serve a God who is moving and shaking in our world today. We are in the last days. Come on, somebody. These are the days that were prophesied by Joel. That a day is coming when I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We are living in those days today, and God is calling you forward I'm going to preach a message today in just a few moments. Preparing for the promised land. I'm going to give you four questions to ask yourself. Before you go into this next season, there are four questions, four things Joshua did to prepare the people to cross the Jordan River. Four questions, four things. And as I ask these questions to you, my, my, my encouragement to you today is this. And I'm just being a little bold today. Is this. I know it's August 21st. You're like, dude, it's summer. Chill out. I'm here today because I believe the Lord told me, Ryan, when the summer slows people down, you ramp it up. <laughs> you light a fire in their bum. And this is why. I, I want to make you a promise. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm going to make you a promise. That this is a season in our church. That if you make a commitment and say, okay, I'm going to dive into this environment. I'm going to dive into this local church. I'm going to make this my home. I believe that you're going to look back on these days and say, wow. Look what God did in my church. Not your church, not this church, but let, let me hear you say it. My church. My church. This is a my church season. And the blessing and the breakthrough that God has for Love City Church is yours. Individually in your life, it's yours. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word. We're going to study the Word, and I'm going to come at you. Are you ready? Lord, we just break every chain of the past. I know from personal experience, the devil uses shame and guilt, and it feels like conviction. 
But that shame and guilt makes me feel like I can't go forward when conviction says you can go forward. So I pray every chain to be broken right now, those who are holding on to the past, those who are holding on to past days, let that word today resonate in our heart that today is a new day in the name of Jesus Christ. As we get into this word today, Holy Spirit, would you do something new? Our second to last week in Cardell Theater, Father, September 4th is still somewhat of a mystery, but by we speak faith today. <laughs> we move forward in faith today, knowing that we serve a supernatural kingdom, uh, kingdom bringing God who wants to move in our midst in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said, amen. You could be seated today. Preparing for the promised land, and uh, what I'm going to do today is, you know, lay a foundation. I'm going to give you four questions, four questions for you that might be keeping you from going into your promised land. These four questions might be the very thing that's keeping you from that breakthrough. It might be the very thing that's keeping you from going into this promised land season, it might be the very thing that you can identify today and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that that was a hindrance to me moving forward. And so today, we're going to look at this today. What, remember the story of the people of Israel. The people of Israel had uh, been on a journey. God took them out of, uh, remember the place of Exodus. Uh, they were in Egypt, and they were Exodus out of Egypt. They were slaves, and it's a picture of the church and what Jesus did and, uh, for us. And he took these people across the Red Sea, and they were only supposed to spend 24 months in the desert. And in that 24 period of time, they had been tested enough. So if you want to do a really good study, study the first two years of the desert season because that's all God needed to take them through to get into the promised land. But because of their unbelief, they needed 38 more years of the same tests. So two years, 24 months, he takes them to the edge of the promised land. You remember Moses was there, and he sent in 12 spies. And you'll notice in, in Joshua's day, he sent in two because he's smart. And so they had 12 spies go in, and 10 came back and said, it's too much. It's too, it's too big. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too much. Oh, my gosh. And two, two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, let us go in. And as you know, Moses listened to the voice of the 10, the, the disbelief, and led them back into the desert for 38 years where they wandered, and the Bible says an entire, listen, an entire generation died in the desert, of, in the wilderness because of their unbelief in God. These were God's people who never saw what God intended for their church because they were stuck in stagnant waters of unbelief and hanging on to Egypt. Remember when I was in Egypt and I could have meat and food and here I am. Are you trying to kill me, Moses? God, what are you trying to do to me here? This is the worst desert season I've ever been in. God, what are you doing? He says, I'm preparing you. Because great days are ahead. In the context of our message today, we come to the very border after 40 years Moses has died on Mount Nebo. The Lord took Moses to the top of Mount Nebo, and he says, Moses, look to the, to the north and to the south and to the east and the west. He says, look what I had for you. But because you did not lift up my name as holy, because you did not put your trust in me, you will never see the promised land. Now, I ain't making this stuff up. This isn't Ryan. This is the Bible. <laughs> so here we are, and this is us today, the generation of people, the church of Jesus Christ, standing at the Jordan River, ready to go into the promised land. And God came to Joshua and said, Joshua, have courage. He said, Joshua, have confidence. Don't be discouraged. 
Don't be discouraged in this season. I've called you to lead this. What God's been doing in my life. He says, Ryan, I've called you to lead this church. Ryan, don't, don't doubt that. I'm just being real with you. I've just, you know, I thought I could apply for a job somewhere else. Or maybe, you know, maybe McDonald's. I'm really good at flipping burgers. Or, you know, maybe I get a job at Best Buy. I really love technology. Or maybe Joel will hire me and I can, you know, clean his room after office and be his cleaner. You know, I think, oh, God, maybe I'm not called to this. Maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I'm not a great pastor. Maybe this isn't for me. And the word of the Lord is, no, I've called you. Be strong and courageous. Have confidence. I've called you to this season. You will surely lead the people into what God has for this church. And so he turns to the people, and this is, I want to be this Joshua figure today to you and say, hey, there's four things that God was doing in the life of these people. And as we see Joshua, as I mentioned, Joshua decided to, to spy out the land, and he sent two spies this time. Uh, he sent two spies into the land, and he went and checked out Jericho. Remember, Rahab was there, and Rahab, by faith, believed that God was, was bigger than her God. And so he let the spies live there and then let them out down the side of the house and came back. And this is what the, the spies said to Joshua. The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands, and the people are melting in fear because of it. I'm here to tell you today that we are in a supernatural battle, and God has not called us to take the kingdom by passing. He's told us to take the kingdom of God by force. Why? Because the devil hates the name of Jesus. And if we represent the name of Jesus, we can walk into any environment with the spiritual power of Jesus Christ. And every enemy will melt in fear and flee in front of us. Why? Because we serve the everlasting God. And so he had the courage. And what he did was, is he... Begin, he, he did four things to prepare them for this next season. And as I mentioned, I put them in forms of questions so you can evaluate where you are at on this journey. Because I want you to hear me. I want you to come with us to this next season. I don't want you to get left behind. I don't want you to get stuck behind. It's a new day and it's a new hour. And there's, there's people in here who are, have a prophetic ministry and a calling and an anointing for ministry and for business and for serving in the house of the Lord and for helping marriages and serving in the youth ministry and serving in the kids' ministry. And there are people in the room today that are called to help Love City Church go to the next level to reach more, 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 more people for the name of Jesus Christ. But today you've got to ask yourself this question. You've got to ask these questions today. Are you prepared to go? going to the promised land. This is the first question today that I'm going to ask you. What's driving you? What is your motivation going into this next season God has for you? Why do you want to go into this next season? Look what the scripture says. Joshua's very first thing he did. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went down to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. He says, I don't want you just getting up, randomly running into the promised land. I need you. There's a, there's a, a way to do it. There's a way to Something needs to drive you towards the promised land, and what it needs to be is the presence of God. I need God to lead you into this season. 
I need God to be the forefront of your mind and your heart as you step into the new season that God has for you. He wants you to know that there are things in our lives that can drive us and the thing that drives us and motivates us to go into the next season that God has for us is that the presence of God must be in front of us. Now, what is the Ark of the Covenant? Remember, the Ark of the Covenant was a box made of acacia wood with gold and two cherubim angels in the very middle. The, the Bible teaches us that in the very middle of those cherubim, those angels, was the, manifest, was the place in which the manifest presence of God was on the earth. So the way you felt today during worship, that was what was in the very presence of this ark, the very middle. But you want to know what was inside of the Ark of the Covenant? Inside of the Ark of the Covenant was a tablet with God's law in it, so God's word. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was a stick that budded of the authority to show God to, for God to show whose authority he had given authority to. And so we see God's word, and we see God's authority, and there was a cup of manna, which shows God's provision. So here we see that when he told them to follow the Ark of the Covenant, he was saying, follow God's presence, follow God's word, follow God's authority, follow God's provision. If you try to get out from God's provision, if you try to get out from underneath God's word, if you try to do it without God's authority, if you're trying to be led without God's presence, you will fail. We have to be submitted to the authority of God and submitted to the word of God and submitted when God provides. God provides what's his. And if there ain't provision and God isn't opening doors, stop trying to knock that door down. You're trying to get ahead of God. Stop trying to make that relationship work. Stop trying to make that business pan out. Stop trying to do things that God has not given you the authority to do. Stop trying to do things that God has not provided for. Stop doing that. And I'm saying that out of love. Because if you continue, you will create a life for yourself that is ahead of the Ark of the Covenant. Ahead of the presence of God. It's easy for us isn't it, to get out in front of our own. It's easy for churches, isn't it? It's easy for churches to make it about their marketing strategy and how good their logo works and how cool their church merch is and how banging their music is and how cool the pastor is and how much the marketing we do and how, how short the services are and how appealing it is to young people. And Isn't it easy for us as a church to make it about all the wrong things and what we don't make it about is the very presence of the living God? We can make it about how it makes us feel and how comfortable the seats make my butt feel and how good the coffee is and did that per was that person nice to me when I came in. And all of these things are centered around one thing and one thing alone, me. When the church of Jesus Christ is about nothing other than the absolute presence of God, knowing that God is in that place. God's authority is in that place. God's word is in that place. God's provision is in that place. You can build churches and you can build lives that are built upon your own abilities and your own imagination and your own ideas on your authority, on your word, on your provision, on your presence. And I'm here to tell you today, I beckon you, I beg you today, don't build your life on those things. Build your life on the very presence of the living God. And do not move. Well, Ryan, it's been too long. And Ryan, we, we, we have no time left. And I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill. And I don't know how I'm going to make this thing work. And I've got this dream in my heart to build this business or do this thing. Well, let's keep the dream. Dream in your heart and wait for the provision and wait for the word and wait for the authority and wait for his presence. Because when you get behind that, God will do mighty things in your life. 
He will do mighty miracles in your life. He will do mighty miracles in your heart. Why do we need to be driven by the presence of God? And in fact, Joshua tells the people, look what he says. He goes, then you're going to know which way to go. I love this. One of the biggest questions we ask in our life is, God, what do I do next? So you're telling me if I submit my life to God's authority and I live my life according to God's word and I follow his presence and I allow God to provide for me what I need, that I'll just know which way to go? Why are we overcomplicating the will of God in our life? Why are we overcomplicating the call of God in your life? You're so frustrated about not knowing what's next. Maybe it's because you're not under God's authority. You're so frustrated about not knowing what's, God, what's next. Maybe it's because your life doesn't adhere to God's word. So frustrated about not knowing what's next. Maybe you've been trying to carve out the provision for the next season, and God says, wait, I'm only going to provide what you need, not what you want. Then you will know which way you are supposed to go. And you'll notice what it says here also, since you've never been this way before. It's a good reminder to us that when God takes you into the next season, he doesn't necessarily take you to a place that you are an expert in. He doesn't take you to a place where you're like, man, I went through 50 years of school and I've been doing it. I'm just going to be, man, I, just, I can just kill it. No, he says, no, I'm actually taking you to a season where you'll need more faith. <laughs> you're going to need more of God. You're going to need more of his word. You're going to need more community and more prayer and more fasting because that's what God does when he takes you into this next season. He doesn't just tap into your knowledge. He taps into his knowledge. He doesn't just tap into your strength. No, the Bible says that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So you think this next season's about you being an expert or you having it all figured out? No, that's the exact opposite. He uses your history to teach you one thing. Oh, yeah, God's in charge. He teaches your knowledge to teach you one thing. Oh, yeah, Jesus is the one who did that for me. He doesn't give you more expertise and more knowledge and know-how so you can be the hero of the story. Jesus is always the hero of the story. He wants to take you into this next season because being led by his presence because you've never been this way before. And he wants to lead you how to get there. But also he wants you to stay behind the presence because you have to remember this is so fascinating that we talk about the promised land. When I even see that, I think, oh, I love the promised land. I love the milk and honey. Oh, those massive grapes, you know, the size of bowling balls. I can't wait. But we forget that the moment they crossed the Jordan River, they stood upon an impenetrable force called Jericho. We forget that their responsibility was to eradicate the ites from every corner of God's kingdom. We forget that the role of the promised land wasn't just so you could sit in your easy chair and have your money and do your thing and live this retirement life. No, the promised land is more faith, more work, more tongues, more prayer, more sacrifice, more money, more effort, more, more, more of you. Look what he says to these people. He says this. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out all the ites. I'm not going to try ahead of you. He's going to drive him out ahead of you. You see, ahead of you, which means this. He's going ahead of you. He, he, he wants to go ahead of you. 
You're going to walk into battle, and you say, oh my gosh, look at the size of this giant. And the giant's just going to start beating himself up in confusion. Why? Because that's what God does. He sends confusion into the enemy's camp. You say, look at Jericho. Look at the ice. He says, yes, but I'm going to go ahead of you. But the presence of God, that has to be your motivation. God's word has to be your motivation. God's abundance has to be your motivation. God's provision has to be your motivation. God's authority has to be your motivation. Look at the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth. He will lead you across the Jordan River. What's driving you? What's motivating you in this season? Is it your comfort? Is it your future? Is it your life? Is it your success? Which we want those things. Yes, of course. It's, it's normal. It's, human, it's humanity. We get it. And you will have a form of comfort and a form of joy and a form of provision and a form of success. Of course. Don't hear me wrong today. What I am saying is that this is not about you or me. This is about the glory of God. And this is about God's presence being in our midst. And there will be giants, but you will overcome them. Second question. I could have just stopped there, couldn't I? I should have done a four-week series, maybe. <laughs> How's your heart? How's your heart? Look what Joshua said to the people of Israel. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Now, I'm going to say a really bold statement. God does amazing things through holy people. Now, I want you to hear me before I continue, because some of you here today say, okay, is this one of those judgmental pastors who makes me feel terrible for my sin? No, 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 I'm, a, I'm worse than you are, so you can get in line. But yes, we sin, and yes, we fall short, and no one in the room is perfect, and we'll never receive perfection until we re come to heaven in Christ, and all things are made new. But did you know that God calls our church to be holy? God calls our church to be to be different than the culture. God calls our church to eradicate sexual sin and immorality. God calls our church to not be gossipers and, and, and not be hoarders of our greedy and, and not be prideful. And God calls our church not just to live for God on Sunday and worship every other God on, on Monday and Tuesday. We're called to be a holy people. Where is your heart? This is paramount for our church that if you want to see a move of God that you've never seen before on the earth today, it starts with you and I checking our heart. Where is your heart? Look what the scripture says in Psalms 19. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Look what he says. He says this. Keep your, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these, look at this, hidden faults. So you've got areas of your life that are blind spots, areas of your life that are hidden faults that you don't realize are there. The, the things in you that you don't see, things that you didn't know were there, hidden faults. Maybe it's pride or maybe it's greed or maybe you're, you're, you're hoarding on or to, to your money or maybe it's unforgiveness and you don't even realize that it's there. It's just a hidden fault in your life. Those are blind spots that the Holy Spirit reveals to us through the reading of Scripture. And over time, he says, oh, there's an area of your life that I need you to work on. He says, oh, my gosh, yes, I was judge, judging this person, or I was gossiping in this way. God, forgive me. And now you're aware of it. It's no longer hidden. But look what the Scripture says as it continues. Keep your servant from, look at this, deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Deliberate sins have a controlling power over your life. 
These are sins in your life that you know do not please God, yet you choose to give in to those sins. The temptation becomes strong or it becomes difficult or you enjoy it and you continue doing it and you think this is not a big deal, but I want you to know God does not honor his followers who serve him on Sunday but sin on Monday. Now, I'm not talking about mistakes. I'm talking about deliberately sinning a life that does not honor the Lord. Those are the types of sins that can control you. For me, it was alcohol. That sin began to control me. I haven't had a drink since August 10th last year. And it was causing a problem in my life. And I began to drink too much at times. And I would cope with it. And I was like, no, it's not a big deal. And finally, I, the Lord, I had an encounter with God. And my wife specifically said, like, God's got a plan for your life, right? And I realized, and I wasn't going overboard too much. But I just saw down the line, this could control me. So I said, you know what? I can't do it anymore. I quit. I quit drinking. And that's for me. You drink today? Hey, that's between you and Jesus. The Bible says don't get drunk with wine, but it doesn't say don't drink. So you do what you do between you and the Holy Spirit. But what happens is, is that we begin to allow deliberate sins in our life that we are aware of. We continue to gossip, or we continue to allow pride, or we continue to allow greed, or we continue to look at pornography, or we continue to sleep around, or we continue to do these things. You say, Ryan, why are you talking about sin? Because I know that as followers of Jesus Christ, if we can repent of our sin and let God change us, he will do something so mighty in your life. He will bring such freedom and transformation and your future will be so much brighter than what you can control with your own life. Our tomorrow hinges upon our decision today to say, I will not allow deliberate sin to control me. How's your heart? Maybe you have an area of sin in your life that you've been struggling with it for a long time. I want you to know today, you say, Ryan, it's too big. No temptation is overtaking you. So scripture says, accept what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See this sign right here? I teach my son this when we talk about sexual sin. God will always provide an exit sign for you. Will you take it? The issue isn't God's faithfulness. The issue is a personal decision to say, okay, this sexual sin is too much for me. I need to run, just like jo 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 Joseph did. Run and leave that cloak behind you. Run, and, even if it's your work, even if you're, it's your home, even if, wherever you are. Run to the exit sign because God is providing a way out so that you can what? Endure it. You can do it. You're here today say, Ryan, how do I get over this sin? Very simple. The scripture teaches us. Sorry. It says this. Sorry. In Hebrews 12, rather. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Look at this. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now, I could easily keep this out because I don't want you to feel bad. You want to know why I put this in here? I want you to see the Lord. I want you to encounter God. I want you to have everything God has for you. And deliberate sin in your life will keep you from experiencing what God has for you. You will stay in the desert. You will stay confused and lost in the wilderness if we don't simply do what Peter said, repent and turn to God. Confess your sins one to another, the Bible says, and you'll be healed. I just repent of my sin, Lord. I repent of my, my areas of alcohol in my life. Lord, I repent of sexual sin. Lord, I repent of judging, judging others. I, 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 I repent of pride. God, I repent. Lord, I repent. And he says, okay. God, I'm sorry. 
Godly sorrow brings about true repentance. And God says, okay, it's gone. What are we talking about again? Well, my sin. Yeah, I know. We've, you've already said it. It's done. It's over. Go forward. Go. Well, God, I did really bad things. I know. It's over. It's done. All I see is the blood of Jesus. Because you repented. And you turned your heart to me. It's done. It's over. Stop beating yourself up about a sin that God's already forgiven you for. The only one dipping your hand into the blood of Jesus is you. You're literally putting your hand into the blood of Jesus and pulling that sin out. Say, look at this. And he says, put it back. (laughs) How's your heart? He wanted to prepare them because he knew that if you could do this tomorrow, amazing things will happen. Here's the third question today is this. How's your commitment? What Joshua did before he went into the promise, and I find this very fascinating, he actually went out and he said, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. These 12 tribes of Israel, these men or women or people, if I can say, because I'm talking to men and women today, but in this scripture, these men were men who were called forward in this season to make a fresh commitment to the cause of Christ. To be the leaders among people to say, I nominate, I'm going to go forward in God. I choose to be committed to the work of God in this season. Now I'm going to be bold today. I am encouraging you today to increase your commitment for the cause of Christ for this city. If you're on the edge today, whether or not you want to make Love City Church your home, come on, if you've been coming here for three, four, five months, let's make the commitment and dive in today. Why? Because tomorrow God's going to do amazing things. Look what it says in the scripture, Joshua. He called these people before, and there was a fresh commitment that he was asking them to do before going into the promised land. Fresh commitment on your life for the cause of Christ and for the church of Jesus Christ is necessary for you to go to the next level. Each one of us must do what I preached on last week. Make a conscious decision. Count the cost. Are you in or are you out? Because God says in his word, he does not like lukewarmness. He says, in or out. Committed to God's church. Committed to God's cause. Committed to God's kingdom or not. That's what God asks of us. I don't encourage you today. Where's your commitment for the Lord? Where's your commitment for the cause of Christ? Where's your commitment for the church of Jesus Christ? Not where as though I can't find it. Where, like, what level is it at? Look what what, 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 look what um, Paul said to the church of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always, say always. always. Give yourself fully, say fully. fully. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always. Even when I'm hurt. Even when I've been abandoned. Even when I've been crucified, even when I don't know what's next, even though I've gone here and I don't know what's going to happen, even though I'm facing hardships, even though my marriage isn't perfect, even though I still have areas of sin in my life, even though always give yourselves halfway, a part of you, fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Where's your commitment? And lastly here today, 
How's your faith in God and in his promises? How's your faith in God? How's your faith in his word? Many of you here today have received prophetic words or encouraging thoughts or encouragements over your lifetime, and you've maybe put those on the shelf because of the things that have happened in your life. And I'm encouraging you today to go back and say, where's your faith in God's promises over your life? How is your faith? Look what happened in the scripture. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. Lord, The Lord told Joshua, notice who's speaking to who. God spoke to Joshua. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. That's all that God gave to Joshua. This is the picture that I want you to do. I want you to move into this next season, and I want you just to go to the river and stop there. Now, does this remind you of something that's happened before? At the very beginning of our journey, God has Moses and the people of Israel walk into the Red Sea. But if you read this scripture, it's fascinating. This is the moment where God is giving Joshua direction. But all he tells him to do is just take a few steps into the river and stop there. God doesn't tell him what's going to happen. And Joshua walks up to the people of Israel and he begins to speak in faith. You see, what we have to remember, there's something supernatural about this miracle. They were at the Jordan River in harvest time. During harvest time, the, 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 or not in harvest time, the water was generally about 15 feet deep and about 100 feet wide. During harvest season, it was up to a mile wide and 100 feet deep. So this wasn't just like normal normal Jordan. This was like all odds were against them. Their backs were up against the wall. And he says, I want you to go put your feet in the water and the flood waters that's, that's rushing and there's a current and it's difficult and there's a lot going on. I want you to put your feet in that water. And that's all God told Joshua. But Joshua walked up to the people of God and look what he said in the scripture. Joshua told the Israelites. Now, this is Joshua talking to the people. The priests, this is what's going to happen. You, listen to me. I'm about to declare by faith. I don't even know what's going to happen when you put your feet in the water. But I'm going to speak in faith today that the priests, you will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of heaven. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them and the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. And as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heat a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down was completely cut off. And so the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and they stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Joshua didn't even know what was going to happen when he stepped out of the boat. He didn't even know what was going to happen when he went into this new season. They didn't even know what kind of miracle God was going to do. God said, put your feet in the water. And Joshua said, okay, because I know what God promised in the past, I watched the people of Israel cross the Red Sea, and I'm going to declare today, we are going over this water. 
He began to speak in faith to the people of God. He increased his faith and said, okay, I don't understand what's going to happen in this next day and in this next, next age with my life or my business or my marriage or my relationships or my finances. I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is God is saying, go forward. All I know is that God's saying, step out in faith. Where's your faith? Where's your faith in the promises of God? Where's your faith in what God's promised you? Where's your faith in what God said that he would do? Where's your faith when you came to Jesus Christ and he encountered you and spoke clearly to your life? Where's your faith that he will still do what he said that he would do? I want to read a couple of things for you today. I want to read a couple of things for you today because I want you to be stirred in your faith for what God's doing in our church. Over the last five and a half years, we received prophetic words over facilities and finances and marriages and a church of generations. And the prophetic words have said that we're going to build a culture that's conducive to kingdom living and kingdom giving, not just to build, but to build right. He's going to open up financial gateways for you because of the fact the vision is so big, the resources need to match it. You'll see supernatural provision for facilities. This was in 2017. Bring forth spiritual oil and mighty provision for there's facilities that are going to be released to us in ways we wouldn't have believed. He's going to begin to raise up many young people from schools and colleges, and I'm going to cause the kids' church to be a calling card from the elementary level, and I'm going to anoint them at 5 and 6 and 7 years old, and they will prophesy at 12 and 13 years old. Come on, somebody. I'm going to move in a mighty way and cause a revival to come to your church through the children's ministry and youth ministry. Missions ministry is going to be big, a big thing. Your church is going to touch nations. For thousands are going to drink from this well. Thousands will, you'll dig up old wells and create a culture of worship. New spiritual oil for the entire region. Your house will be known as a house where generations are on step with each other. Your house will be known as a house of generations where the young are excited and eager to learn the wisdom of the old and the older are on board with the passion and the newness of the young. Your house is going to be known as a place where families worship together and you will have infants with grandparents in the same house where families are together and are worshiping for generations, entire households doing ministry together. New strategies and new visions and new ways to unite people, to unite generations. Same goal, same vision, same house, all going after the city, being saved and out, anointing to break generational curses on your house. A supernatural grace to make the supernatural natural. A supernatural grace to see healings and breakthroughs and addictions falling off. It's normal. It's not weird. Amen. You'll own it. And people will know this is how we roll in this place. Diseases and addictions and habits break off in this place. A place where families are doing ministry together. A house of generations. The young value the old and the old will value the young. There is no disconnect and there is no division. And we will minister to marriages and they'll have a word that breaks the yoke of bondage and a word that will reunite and a word that will be a strength even to families. Families that have given up and families that have said that it's all over. Let's just call it quits, they said. But we will have a yoke-breaking word. Because when you trusted me when things did not work out right, I'm going to show off my blessing to you. This was in 2019. I loosened up for them supernatural property. I loosened supernatural. I saw God triple the size of your church, triple the size of your property, triple the size of your finances. I saw almost like a full orchestra, this massive group of musicians flood in, and there's an anointing, develop, release, and mature musicians in the kingdom of God. And you have a foundation of truth. 
and ability to understand the flow of the Spirit and even understand what it means to dig out things that the enemy has placed in people's hearts. And God is going to give you strategy and the ability to dig up wells again in the corporate context. Listen to this. You need to set your heart and mind that as you walk into this year, that God is going to provide a permanent place for you. It's going to be very unusual, and it's going to be very divine. It's, going to, it's like something is closing, and God is opening something for you. This is the next stage of your journey for you. It's a stage you've been praying into and been raising money for, and you've done your part. This was in January of 2021. You've done your part. It's a stage you've been praying for, and you say, God, this seems so big, and it's so unattainable, but the Lord says, nothing with me is impossible. I'm going to move in a mighty way. And the season has been a season of nurturing and a bit of season of foundation and a season of pulling up and rooting out and putting in. It's been a difficult time, a wonderful time, but a difficult time. Not everybody wants that. Not everybody understands that, but the Lord says, I am laying a foundation and I'm beginning to create wells of prosperity, wells of freedom, and even in the natural world, see things that are stalling and things that are going backwards. I am not the God of backwards. I am the God of forward. And I'm going to cause you to press forward in me. And you're going to have, in this hour, in this day, you're going to have a visitation of finances. And God's going to release in this hour, in this day for you. He sees the condition of your heart. You didn't do this intentionally. It's not something you decided on a whim. You didn't, you, uh, but it was the hand of God. And God is saying, I am with you. I'm going to do you good. So I declare to you, step out today and declare that you are going to get a building. Yeah, come on. It's coming. And it's going to be a miracle, and there's going to be provision, and there'll be resources in the house. God will do it. It is a step of faith. Now, I take the time today to read those two because I want to stir your faith that where you're sitting in today, some of you say, I don't see it. Some of you say, I get it. But I want you to know today, I want you to mark my word. I speak this prophetically. God's going to do something so great with our church. I beg you to be a part of it. Yeah. Because these words are true. We stand upon the prophetic. It's confirmed by two or three witnesses aligning with God's word. We believe that God's word is the truth, but also when God, we believe in the prophetic word. Amen? Yeah. Now, as I end our time together, I just want to give you the final purpose of why this all happened. It's in Joshua chapter 4, after they crossed the Jordan River. Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. So still the waters pushed back. Each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when, it's cro when, it, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel. If you say, Ryan, why are we doing all that we're doing? Because in the future, your children are going to ask you, what happened at Love City Church? What happened when that, they didn't have a building? What happened in that season? What happened in that moment? Man, I was there. I was a part of it. God did a miracle. And we built a memorial today to say this is about our future generations of people. Prophesy that your children's children's children will serve the Lord in the same house. You don't have to go to church, to church, to church, to church. You get to be in one house, serving the Lord, honoring God, building a memorial together to remember. Kids, remember what God did when he gave us that facility? Remember what God did when he healed that marriage? Remember what God did when he removed that addiction? Remember what God did when he saved that girl named Carrie? 
Remember when God did? He, he saved that girl, Amanda, and now she's leaving worship. Remember when God, when Curtis came in the church and he just began to weep in the house of God and now his whole family's in the church? Remember when God spoke to Rodrigo and Martha that, that God's calling them to this place? Come on. Remember when Ryan and Julie Voros came to Ryan and Stephanie before they started the church and said, Ryan, wherever you go, we go. Remember? We're not building a church that's just like every other church. We're building a church. We believe in our hearts that this God's in this, and you get to be a part of it. And we get to be a memorial today and say, okay, God, we remember. We remember what you've done. We remember what you're going to do in our lives and in our church. We build a memorial today as a sign for our future generations to say, God did a mighty miracle. Just stand to your feet. We're going to sing a song today. We're going to go out with rejoicing today. I want to thank you for giving me a little bit of extra time today. We're going to go out in faith singing this song called Egypt. I encourage you today, come on. Four questions. Those questions I asked today, I want you to evaluate your heart as we go into this next season because we want to go together, amen. Would you just place your hands in the air just real high, just like this. Come on, Lord, we just say, Father, here we are, send us. Hey, all these questions, God, these evaluations of our heart. Lord, we say, Father, we want to go to the promised land. We want to go to this next season, God. And let it be nothing in our lives that will hold us back today. We say, Father, we want to go into the promised land today. Lord, in faith and in hope and in joy, believing that you're going to do mighty things in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.